0: Hi and welcome to Making Space with Jen Pillipow, a podcast about authenticity and the subconscious layers protecting it. Hi, and welcome back as we continue our journey on, on stripping away what it means to be authentic and what personality layers mean, why are they are formed, um, what that has to do with safety and how this all fits together. I appreciate you being here. So in this episode, I want to bring some conscious awareness around perfectionism or what I call a personality layer that we adopt usually as a young person to fit in, to be accepted, to get love, to get attention. And as I've talked about before, I used to think about being authentic as either you are or you aren't. And now I really look at it as more of a dial. And I want to be able to consciously operate and control that dial in a way that feels authentic and safe to me in any given moment. And so I think it's important to say that Um, that's also how I look at people pleasing and perfectionism. I don't think it's not my goal to go out and like eradicate people pleasing and perfectionism because I think it's actually, they're important tools to have. And sometimes it makes sense to use them, but where I want to focus is let's be conscious and deliberate and discerning about how we're using those tools so that we can stay in our own power because if we flip the reverse of that, if we are being overtaken by people pleasing our perfectionism and we feel like we don't have the power or the control, then that puts us into a victim mode and it is incredibly difficult to be authentic and to live a, a true authentic life when you feel victimized. And that's really the underscore of all my work, where yes, we're talking a lot about people-pleasing and perfectionism and the subconscious mind and authenticity, but the underlying current to all these things is where I want to focus people is regaining their own power and control in their own self-knowledge about their beliefs, about their mindset, their thoughts, their feelings, behaviors, actions, why they do what they do. Because like I have said so many times, I can't teach you how to be authentic. Um, And I don't have all the answers, but what I can do is show you a window into different ways that you can look and learn about yourself. Because the moment you start learning about yourself, you know how to show up for yourself. And that's what I want to share. So In the world, there is just so much that we can't control. We can't control other people's actions, their thoughts, what they think about us, although we try to. We can't control a lot of circumstances. So let's remember what we can control and the agency and the self-liberation we can get from that, where we can control our own responses to things and this is where an element of safety comes in, too, because so often what happens when we don't feel safe within ourselves, safe to be authentic, safe within our bodies, is we end up going throughout the day just reacting, reacting, reacting. Things happen and we react. And again, that comes from a place of feeling victimized. When we start to feel empowered, when we start to be more discerning, when we start to feel that safety within us. Instead of reacting to moments, even triggers, we can learn to pause. And then within that pause, we have this ability to respond instead of just react. And the respond part is really important because that's a choice. And when we make a choice because we have options, we have more than just two options, then we are really tapping more into that self liberation, which I think is so important. All right. So let's dive into perfectionism. Um, I found this one to be really interesting in a way where people don't tend to really resonate with being called or labeling themselves as a perfectionist. And by the way, I don't think labels are important. I think learning about yourself is really important in a way that can empower you to make different choices. But I don't look at it as a way to label yourself because you are just that way and then just accept it that that's just the way it is. No, this is really just about let's learn a little bit more about yourself. So I find that a lot of people don't resonate with the word perfectionism because I think when they think about it, well, I'll, I'll share my examples. So I used to think that, oh, I'm not a perfectionist because I do so many things that are imperfect and I'm okay with that. But the thing is, is that my brain was conveniently forgetting all the things, the goals that I had that I really wanted, but I wasn't reaching because I was giving myself this all or nothing mindset and it wasn't helping me get there. And so rather than just use the term perfectionist, let's talk about what Some of the symptoms are that can arise if you are a perfectionist. So rather than thinking, I am or I am not a perfectionist, maybe just listen to some of these signs and with an open mind and just see if it resonates for you. So. One of the telltale signs, which I've already talked about, is this all-or-nothing attitude. You feel like it has to be all-or-nothing, you're all in or you're all out, it's black and white, it's it's yes or no, it's this or that, and it's a very rigid way of looking at the world, and it doesn't give yourself any room for options, any room for shifts or flow, and And that rigidity is really something that comes with being a perfectionist. It's a way of controlling. And again, when we feel that we've been um, victimized in the past or we feel like we've been helpless, then we're always looking for this form of control to feel safe. And we can get that by being very rigid. And when we're really rigid, we have all kinds of unhelpful rules. Now, sometimes rules are good when it comes to boundaries, for example, but when we're making rules to be rigid, to try to control things that we don't have control over, this is where things can kind of go haywire. So it's like, um, if you are a very routine person and your, and mornings are a really good example because people really need their routines in their mornings. And if you don't get your routine in the morning, does that throw off your day? if you don't have your coffee at the the same time every day, if you don't get your workout, if you don't get your meditation, and it's all or nothing, then it sets up your whole day to feel kind of wacky and out of sorts. Whereas if we're relaxing this perfectionistic attitude and we're allowing more fluidity through the rigidness and the structure, then we can realize that Okay, my morning routine was disrupted, but that's okay because there's going to be a moment over here where I know I can get in a meditation or I can get in a workout or I can have a cup of coffee or in a way where you're still meeting your own needs, but it's not in this rigid way that is impossible to follow every single day because life just doesn't always work that way. So for example... I have a morning routine that I is an ideal that I really like, (laughs) but it doesn't usually happen because I have a five-year-old and I don't like waking up to an alarm clock. So (laughs) I roll the dice every day and my meditation doesn't happen at the same time every day. And sometimes it doesn't happen. I don't always get to have my celery juice at the same time or my coffee at the same time. And I could control it in a way where I could set my alarm clock, but there would still be days where my kiddo would wake up early and climb into bed with me or yell at me from his bedroom to come see him. And there's just so many things I can't control. And so I have learned, I think parenthood really helped me soften the edges around this, where I've learned to go more with the flow. Even though I have an ideal of what I would like to happen, I understand that I can't control a lot of the things within that. And so I stopped trying and I still meet my own goals. However, this had to come with a level of trust because I used to be a morning workout person because I felt like if I didn't get my workout in in the morning, it wouldn't happen. Too many things would overtake me throughout the day or I'd be too tired and I just couldn't do it. And it took a, a, it took a while to build up the self-trust that if I didn't do it in the morning, I would still honor that commitment later in the day, even if I was tired. And that's an important concept here too, when we're talking about, um, self-knowledge and self-liberation, as we start building this knowledge about ourselves and what makes us really tick from the inside, from a subconscious point of view, included in the conscious point of view, it takes it allows us to start to have some self-trust because we start to work with ourselves more instead of working against ourselves. Okay, so just looping back to that all-or-nothing telltale sign of being a perfectionist. You can see how um, that might show up when you're striving to reach a new goal. I know as a weight loss coach, I would hear a lot about, um, you know, I'm I'm all in or I'm all out on healthy eating or exercising. And there's just so many other options in between all or nothing. And when we only give ourselves those two options, it is insanely hard to meet a new goal. We need to have, we need to allow for more options to come in and to be creative about that and to trust it. So that's one of the signs that you have perfectionistic tendencies is that you have this all or nothing attitude about things and especially brand new goals. Another telltale sign is that you are crazy hard on yourself. You are very judgmental with yourself. You've often thought that the way that you talk to yourself, you would never talk that way to a friend or somebody you loved. And you might also find that you're very judgmental with other people. If other people don't have the same high morals or values, then you might find yourself very quick to judge them. And again, I want to remind you, there is no shame in this. We are just exploring what some of the tendencies are that arise when you have this ingrained belief within you that um, perfection is the ideal. That is how you will find love and acceptance and success. So if you find yourself being really hard on yourself for even silly, small errors, then this will ring true for you. You might have a thought that self-compassion or um, being kind to yourself will actually work against you as strange as that sounds, but you might have this idea of, well, if I let myself off the hook, I won't be successful. That is the way that I definitely used to think where um, if I wasn't hard on myself, if I was just like being easy with myself or nice to myself, then I would never get anything accomplished. I would never meet any new goals. I wouldn't have any success. And the truth is, is that kept me from my own success because self-compassion is a key element to any kind of growth because growing is hard. (laughs) There's always new lessons. And of course, when there's new lessons, there's failure and failure is another telltale sign. Your relationship with failure will tell you how many perfectionistic tendencies you have because failing especially in front of people can feel so vulnerable and so devastating and so shameful and if you're not already familiar with Brene Brown's work although I'm sure you are if you are listening to me and you're into personal development you can't get too far into personal development world without coming across Brene Brown's amazing work but I really love how she's broken down what we think about shame. And it's really thinking that we are bad versus we did something bad. It has such a huge distinction between shame and guilt in that way, um, where, Shame just makes us feel like we are bad. And then that goes again to what I was talking about in episode one about feeling like we aren't good enough. That can bring up a lot of shame. And if we're harboring these kinds of ideas, like we aren't good enough and we need to hide that, if we then make a public mistake or a mistake where we're at work and people at work know about it, it is horrifying because all of a sudden it's like, now they know They know this deep dark secret that I'm not good enough. And I know that is exactly how I felt in all of my corporate days, in all the different jobs I held. To me, I felt like a a walking, ticking time bomb. It was only a matter of time before they were going to find out I'm not as good as they think I am. I have somehow misled them through flukes and it's just a matter of time. And that is such a stressful, anxious place to live from. You know, I was so jumpy. I was just, my boss would walk by and say hi, and I would jump a mile in the air. It was like I'd had 20 cups of coffee, (laughs) and I hadn't. It's just like so on edge, just waiting for somebody to find out that I'm just not good enough. So those are some three telltale signs that will show up if you have this subconscious pull to perfectionism. You are unnecessarily hard and judgmental on yourself. You call yourself an all-or-nothing person. You might even wear that as a badge of honor, like that makes you successful, makes you like hardcore. And the third one is feeling incredibly vulnerable if you make a mistake or fail at something and you feel exposed. There are so many other telltale signs and i get more into that in my course within making space making space is a program for people that are interested in working with their subconscious mind to help understand these personality layers like perfectionism and people pleasing so they can start to chip away at it and feel safe in revealing their own authenticity if you are interested in learning more about that program i'll put a link in the show notes where you can apply just to get some more information i'll before I wrap up this episode, I'll just share, um, a short personal story about how perfectionism is so sneaky. And I have been working on this for over a decade now. And I recently took up painting and painting is something that I've always wanted to do. And I'm 42 (laughs) It took me this long <laughs> to realize that the reason why I wasn't painting was because I can't draw scenery, landscapes, people, faces. I, I am an abstract artist. And because I gave myself two options, well, you can either draw like real life or not at all. <laughs> which is a terrible, which are two terrible options. There's so many more options. Anyways, I found this course called Artify online. It's fantastic. It talks all about abstract painting with acrylics. All of those things resonate so much with me. So I was so excited to find this course and I started doing it and I got so much satisfaction and being a Recovering perfectionist. It's something that I always have to kind of be aware of and watch in my own personality. Um, make sure I'm using it to my advantage because there are ways when being a perfectionist is is good, and I want to know when it, when it is being used for good and when it's sabotaging. Um, so. Picking up painting and having so much fun, something that started to come up was, well, there's no purpose. I'm not going to be selling art. I'm not going to be doing art shows. (laughs) I'm doing it purely for fun. And as a perfectionist, doing something just for fun can feel pointless. It's so funny because it brings me so much joy and it brings in some playfulness that I don't really have in other areas of my life. And yet there's still this part of me that's like, well, it's not really, you're not doing anything. It's, it's doesn't have a purpose. It's so silly. But again, that's just how, in how deep it goes. And, and I also found that through the painting, I would, if I'm, if I'm not in my body and I start to get into my head, how quickly the voice comes up that tells me I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it right. People, we are talking abstract. (laughs) There's no way to do it wrong. And yet my mind is still like, nope, no good. Throw it away. Just quit. Just what are you doing? Quit. And so having built up a level of self-awareness and an understanding around perfectionism and what it means and what the signs are and where it comes from in me personally, I'm able to catch those thoughts, recognize it, and quiet it. And just say, okay, I acknowledge you, I hear you, but this is what we're doing. And by the way, this is really fun. And it feels expansive and it feels expressive. And I think it's also a safe place to start, by the way. So, you know, my course goes into more in-depth pieces of it where we can delve into the subconscious mind Um, as well as the conscious learning. But what you can do now, if you recognize these perfectionistic traits in yourself and you recognize that there might be a better way for you with less symptoms, then what you can do is pick up a new hobby and see what your relationship is to trying something new. See the voices that come up, the parts of you that start to come in and play and say, Hey, you can't do this. What makes you think you can do this? You're not good enough. And, and get to know it, get to know the parts of you that sabotage, get to know the voices in you that start to surface when you try something new, even if it's just for fun. And that can all be accomplished through starting a new hobby. So Go ahead and pick something that you like, that you've wanted to try, but you've been afraid of. Maybe like me, you only gave yourself two options. Give yourself four other options. And what does that look like? And what can you pick up? What does that hobby feel like? And I'd love to hear from you if you do this. You can send me an email at info at I'm the only one that reads those emails. You can send me a note through Facebook, through my Facebook page at jenpillipow. You can send me a direct message through my Instagram at jenpillipow. And I will respond personally. I'd love to hear any new hobbies that you're coming up with. And what comes up for you as you're learning something new? Something that just popped into my mind was a client that I used to work with who was taking French lessons. I loved this so much. Saturday mornings, she would say goodbye to her family and she would go and learn French. So awesome. I want to hear about yours. What are your hobbies? All right, that's what I have for you today. Next up, we will be talking about people-pleasing and that personality layer, how that shows up, and... Um, we'll relate it a little bit more back to the symptoms that it causes and how this obstructs authenticity. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Again, if you're interested in exploring my full program that includes subconscious programming as well as the learning and self-knowledge around it, you can hit the link within the show notes that um, allows you to apply to get some more information about that course offering and what it looks like. Thank you again for being here, for your time, and for sharing your energy with me, because I do feel it. This podcast is recorded in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional land of the Cree people and the homeland of the Métis Nation. If you're not sure whose land you're on, I invite you to get curious by visiting native-land.ca. The podcast music is called An Exciting Future by Elliot Middleton. Go ahead and make some space for yourself. Bye for now.